Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello and welcome to the Nasty Cast, February 2nd, 2022 edition. I'm your host, Van Lee, and we're talking shortstops on today's episode. But it's not just me by myself. That would be mm, probably not great. I am joined by Brian Vaughn. Brian, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I've heard of shortstops. A lot, I mean, a lot of them. I could name several of them. Nomar Garcia Parra. One. Uh, uh, that's all. That's the only one I know. <laughs> I mean, that's more than I could get. I've never heard of shortstops before. This is going to be quite the experience for me, having never heard of a shortstop. In I know. Life. Why did we agree to do this? <laughs> because we are we take <laughs> the risks that other podcasts won't. Or it's hubris. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> well, it's just you and I today. Ron is out. He is not feeling great, so he will not be and joining us. And don't worry, longtime listeners. This is not taco salad or taco bowl related to our knowledge. Yes, he did not mention that. He mentioned it might be something very horrible, but not taco-related. So we can breathe a sigh of relief. Just Brian and I on today's episode. Ron, I believe, will be sending me his best buys and sells and all that for shortstop later. So we'll have some information from him. But before we get into that, let's talk housekeeping. We are part of the Boo 2 Inc. Podcast Network. You know us alongside the Dynasty Baseball Show, where we talk Dynasty Baseball. Shocking as well as the Launch Angle Podcast, which talks high-stakes fantasy leagues, and the Boob Two Boys, a show that Brian and I do with our friend Spencer, where we talk Bones. Yeah, and other, and other TV, TV shows. shows, but right now it's just mainly Bones, and I gotta tell you, that show's not good. Nope, too many Bones, to be honest, that we've watched. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Manly Van Lee. Ron is at The Real Maday, M-A-D-A-Y. Ryan is at Loud Guitar Brian, and of course, our show is at Nasty Cast Pod, and you can find our sister show at Boob Two Dynasty, B-O-O-T-U really like what we do head over to patreon.com slash Inc. and for just two bucks a month or more you get access to tons of bonus content go do it it's awesome and we'd appreciate it okay let's do a little bit of a news item here i know it's kind of crazy because there is no news essentially with this still being under lockout <laughs> but the orioles did some big changes to their ballpark and Derek carty which is at Derek carty d-e-r-e-k on twitter he is of the bat and the bat x fame he put out a Twitter thread that I think everyone should read, so go check that out, and you'll find it fairly easily on his page. But to summarize everything, he reviewed the new dimensions in place at Camden Yards in Baltimore, and it turns out the findings are kind of crazy. It's going to make some big changes offensively. Notably, the left field fences went from the 28th deepest in the majors to the absolute deepest of all stadiums right now. And overall, this just made some drastic changes to the big time to the once big time hitters park. After Derek adjusted for the new park factors, the bat X dropped several Orioles hitters projections fairly drastically with righties Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, action superstar Trey Mancini, I should <laughs> say, and Austin Hayes losing three plus home runs this season from their projections thanks to the changes. So, Brian, do you buy this as a narrative or does this just mean nothing to you? And how far would you drop some of the right hand hitters or just hitters in general on the Orioles in your uh, rankings, your lists? Sure. I mean, I buy it in to the degree that I have to because the uh, if they physically have changed the dimensions of the park, it simply is going to cut down on certain fly balls leaving the yard and giving outfielders maybe more time to track stuff down in the gaps, things like that. Uh, just looking at it on its surface, I mean, it's not going to be anything. I don't think you can ever say anything's going to happen in terms of uh, stats just going away. Like a good hitter is still going to hit. I think we can still project Adley Rutschman to be a star one day. But I, you know, it does make me a little more hesitant on guys like Mountcastle, who I already don't fully buy into because I don't really like his approach. Well, that matters even more if three or five of the balls that he hits uh, to left field don't go out this year. So it does matter, but 
I I wouldn't panic if it's a player I really liked. It just so happens the Orioles <laughs> aren't a team with a whole lot of players I really like. <laughs> I think that's the most important takeaway right there. <laughs> what this does change for me is kind of the Colorado Rockies factor minus the uh, thin air, so the home runs won't boost yeah. up, obviously. But what it, the Rockies have is a huge stadium to combat the fact that balls fly, and that adds a little bit to batting averages. So I do think we may see some home run power disappear, but maybe we see a little more average and some hitters and that sort of thing. So that certainly doesn't even out for me. I mean, power is super important in this day and age, so I'm not going to say that you know, Austin Hayes losing four home runs on his projections isn't impactful because he'll hit 10 points higher. I don't necessarily know if that's even true, but it this overall does really kind of make me cautious as far as how to deal with some of these Orioles hitters. And the other thing, too, is if you're playing like a DFS thing, a daily fantasy league, this now makes those fringe guys who are starting in Baltimore a little more enticing as far as pitchers go. Because sure. now it's it's not as for it, it's a little more forgiving. So I think that's uh, an impact that will happen too, thanks to you know daily fantasy sports that sort of thing. But overall, yeah, I mean it's just crazy to me that this is such a huge difference. Traditionally, when they make these little changes, it's gradual or tiny. This is massive. Twenty eighth deepest to deepest stadium is huge. It's really like a, some sort of organizational philosophical change or something. I mean, I don't know why else you would go out of your way to pay for renovations like that. I mean, I don't know the details of it, but it just sure. seems I was in that stadium, I think three years ago, four years ago, and it was very nice. I don't know why you'd have to change it. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe the years of Dylan Bundy never panning out and the years of their <laughs> pitching prospects just not working. And then they go to a different system and they're like, you know what the problem was? It's not our coaching. It's the fact that the wall's too small. <laughs> If uh, if Grayson Rodriguez can't pitch with these huge, faraway walls, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Let's not pay him any money or anything. Let's just do that. Okay. Well, that's, well, that's the that's... problem. Speaking of news <laughs> topics. Yeah. Oh, boy. And by the way, the okay, so the news came out that spring training is essentially delayed. We know that. Maybe yeah. not 100%, but it's delayed. Yeah, but no but, one's no one's close to an agreement. I mean, no. and, and we're in February now. So what do you think about drafting? Would you draft a league now, or are you simply like, well, we may not start baseball until May. I'm going to wait until we have a date. Man, I would really want to wait if possible. I mean, now from experience, I know what would happen, which is what happened during the COVID season. You run, uh, you run the risk of that. And in, in 2020, a lot of us drafted in you know, January, February, March. COVID hit, no one played until August or whatever it was. <laughs> and by the time you look at your roster, it doesn't make sense anymore. And yeah, so I think you run that risk and like that's and I'm not just talking about like wasting entry fees or being like, oh, this is a bummer. I'm, it's not fun when you have a team you drafted forever ago and, and your plans are undermined by something that you have no control over. Yeah, 100% agree there. And I mean, I'm an advocate for wait as long as possible to draft because closer you get to opening day, the, the less injuries you'll have, the less and it's not crazy playing anything. time things. Yeah, exactly. So ugh, yeah, it's a bad situation. Hopefully it gets resolved quickly, but I don't have my fingers crossed for that. Okay, let's talk short stops. Before we get into it, let's talk about the position as a whole. It certainly has the biggest stars in it, I think you could argue. Some of the best players in baseball are shortstops now, and that is a bit of a, I don't know, we've had eras like that. Like we had the uh, yeah. Miguel Tejada, Nomar Garcia Parra, Jeter era, but we've also, in we're, coming off, time. <laughs> we're coming off of a time of shortstops not being that, of maybe you're getting guys who have great defense but have some fringy stuff. So overall, though, how are you going to treat the position in drafts? Do you think you want one of these stars, or are you more comfortable waiting until later because it is a fairly deep position? Overall, how do you feel about it? So this is one I had to kind of wrestle with a little bit because I wasn't sure how I felt about that exact question. And ultimately, I wound up deciding that, yeah, I think this is a position because it does have so many top-tier guys at it where I'd like to have one of those players. Um, I think sometimes that can really give you a leg up and if you get the right guy and keep you from waiting. Like You can wait on shortstop and, pick a, and try to target a guy lower down and someone takes them as, as their second baseman. And then all of a sudden, you're out that guy. 
I think you don't want to run into that risk because then all of a sudden you the position of shortstop, which seems deep, isn't. Uh, you wind up without a guy that you want to even be rostering. So I'd really like to get one of these top guys, not just to stand out at shortstop, but because they stand out in general. Uh, there's about a handful of guys like that who either do or have that potential. But overall, yeah, the position's stronger than it's ever been. I or I would say, uh, I don't know if I'd say that, but I, I wouldn't not say it. And that that's kind of impressive in terms of the kind of athletes that have made their way to short. I definitely second that. I think I want one of these top guys, but also a lot of these top shortstops are eligible at second base. So maybe you're playing them as your second baseman yeah. and you take a guy in the you know, 15th ranked shortstop or something or other as your actual shortstop, but you have good middle infield coverage or whatever it may be. Overall, though, 100% agree with what you're saying. I do think there are quite a few players I like kind of in the mid-range for this. And to the credit of the the position being really deep, maybe not really deep, but the, to the credit of the position having a ton of high upside at the top, We've got, let's see, seven players going in the top 50 picks yeah. and 14 players going in top 100. So the top 10 are all inside the top 70. Mm-hmm. And But then once you hit like 40th, the, it's, it drops off an absolute cliff. And there are guys 20 to 40 that I would go, oh, yeah, I really like the value here. I think this is useful. But once you get outside of 40, it is disgusting. So let's get into the actual individual rankings. And then when we finish that, We'll do what we always do and give you our best buys, worst buys, stuff like that. So number one, first prospect off the board, or prospect, I'm still in Dynasty Baseball show mode. (laughs) The first shortstop off the board is Fernando Tatis Jr., and he's going with the second overall pick in Fantrax drafts. We've talked Tatis a little bit on the show, but not entirely. So overall, just give me your total feel for what you think he could do this season and whether or not you think he's worthy of that second overall pick. It is... All health dependent, but he's absolutely worthy of any pick. He's one of those guys. If you pick him first, that's fine. Second, certainly fine. Uh, Last year, I mean, he just turned 23. He's shortstop and outfield eligible. He hit 282, 364, 611 with 42 homers, 25 steals. Plenty of runs in RBI because, I mean, he's always on base. He's always hitting. He does it all, and he can actually strike out at a pretty high rate and still maintain that because of the kind of contact he makes. But I'm not going to be surprised if he improves at that. He's only 23 in the next coming season or two. But I say all that to say there's nothing you can say about Tatis that hasn't been said or that's negative unless you want to say he's injury prone and it's too early in his career to say that. Uh, you, You just have to hope for the best at this point. I think that's fair. I think as we've gone along this offseason, I'm not out on Fernando Tatis Jr. because that's a stupid thing to be, but I am so wary because we still don't hear anything about his shoulder issues. He forewent shoulder surgery this offseason, and of course last year had to be moved to the outfield to take it a little bit easier on his arm. I just am I'm so risk-averse in the first so many picks that I think that's going to make it to where I just never end up with any Tatis. I have no problems that with that. That said, if he falls to you at three, is there any way you can not take him at three? I know, because it's he's just so much better than so many other players. Yeah, because if he gets 135 games, I mean, that's just a lot of stats. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing here is that of all the projection systems are out now, the bat, the bat X, Zips, Steamer, ATC, all of those, and Zips DC, which is based on depth charts, and there's a whole lot of stuff to it, has him for a projected 52 home runs. Do you remember the last <laughs> time you saw 52 home runs projected? I don't know that I have. Like, exactly. I, I'm trying to recall a time when I've seen anything like that. That is wow. so crazy. And everywhere else is a little more realistic. 40 plus, of course, 43. For Even that, that is that for projection. Very high. It is, but 52. Holy cow. So overall, I cannot fault anyone for taking him, but I just hope I'm not in a situation where I have the third overall pick. I'd rather be <laughs> a one or two or, I don't know, 10 or whatever well, it may be, but uh, I'm just scared you of that You could also, shoulder. like, look at, I mean, you look at Tatis's numbers, there's a chance that you'll get something really similar out of Jose Ramirez at, like, pick seven. So it's kind of, I can totally see what you're saying mm-hmm. in a way. Sure. Well, okay, let's move on to the number two shortstop, and it's another elite-tier player. It's Trey Turner 
currently going with the third overall pick on fan tracks. I know on NFBC, he's the number one pick, and I think that's more accurate. He's the number one player in baseball for me, not only because of what he provides, but because he is a little bit healthier than Tatis. I mean, we did see him get hurt again in 2019, but still 569 plate appearances. Power showed up last year with 28 home runs, still stole 32 bases, and he's one of the few people in the majors that I think you can still say there's 50 stolen bases in his profile, provided he's healthy, but he's also giving you big-time power and a batting average that will catapult you above everyone else. So I'm all for Trey Turner. Totally happy if I get him in the top three picks. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, he's another one of the guys that like you can take anywhere in the top three, and I'm fine with it. Uh, I tend to favor the guys who who have the wacko power output more, even though stolen bases are more at a premium. But I mean, I Trey Turner's great, and I I couldn't really argue against him because he does have that scarcity in his game of being able to steal bases while doing everything else. Even if he's not going to hit 35 homers, he's going to hit 25 and do everything else. So, yeah, amazing, amazing player. And at number three on our list is one of our favorite players, the bounty hunter himself, Bo Bichette. He now is in possession of a brand new young Rancor. So who knows? He may be able to just He's really bonded with that thing. Just a great, great experience for him. Now, he's going with the seventh overall pick in Fantrax drafts in Bichette last year. 29 home runs, 25 steals, 298, 343, 484. Brian, as a prospect, we always said he had 2020 potential, but he's blown that out of the water. Of course, 29-25 last year, 121 runs for the Toronto Blue Jays. He looks like an absolute stud superstar. I guess I'm going to nitpick. He still doesn't walk a whole lot, 5.8% of the time, but that was really never a part of his game. Overall, what do you think about him at seven here? Yeah, that's the big thing with Bichette is he doesn't walk a ton. I think it'll go up because it always does with this kind of hitter. Just because he's really good, it'll come, if nothing else, because pitchers won't want to mess with him. But uh, he also doesn't strike out much, and that's rare for his age, so... I think he has a really high batting average floor. I think 30 30 is a thing he could do in the coming years, and certainly 2020, as he did last year, with plenty of counting stats hitting near the top of a good lineup. I, Bo Bichette's really, really good. I have no issue with him in the first round. Um, the only issues I have with him at all compared to some of these other guys are real life offensive issues because his counting stats more than make up for it. Great player. Yeah, totally like it. I want to find a fault for this because I feel like he's a player that I always thought would be a great second round player, but he's clearly better than we ever thought he could be. So I think this is totally acceptable at this spot in the draft, and I would love to have him on my team. And technically, he's not even Mandalorian. He just has the armor, which was his father's who was Mandalorian. But No, it's confusing at first. It it is. We won't get into that, but you get the idea. Okay, moving on. And I mean, you've got to imagine he stays healthy with that Beskar on. (laughs) I mean, it helps keep you safe, for sure. (laughs) Plus, whenever you slide into the shortstop turning a double play, you might just murder them. You will wreck that that guy. (laughs) All right, number four on the list, it's Marcus Simeon, and he's going with pick 31. We discussed him a bit in the second base episode, and I think ultimately that might be where people deploy him. Like I said, when we were discussing shortstop as a whole, he's a guy you probably draft, stick at second base because it's a much shallower pool, and then draft a shortstop later. But overall, he does have both eligibility as far as positional uh, eligibility. What do you think, Brian, about Simeon here at 31? I know you were fairly high on him back when we discussed him earlier. I don't remember what his ADP was then. Maybe I'll look it up here. I was uh, I, I'm the same, which is the ADP is is way too high for me, even though I'm optimistic on the season he'll have. I think the sort of 30 10 season hitting 260 270 that I see him having in Texas is what I see out of Jorge Polanco a lot later. And uh, I, if I thought he could do 45 15 again, sure. But I, I think Simeon for me is a good player going way too high. I totally echo those sentiments. I simply will not own him at pick 31. I think 20, 30 picks later, he's a lot more palatable, and I would like him there, but that's not going to happen. People are still drafting him on the monster season he had last year when he hit, what, uh, 45 home runs, 45 homers, 15 steals. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And he's going to Texas, which by all accounts is not a great hitter's park. 
and the lineup still isn't phenomenal, although it is better, of course, with Corey Seager there too. So overall, this is just a pass for me, although I totally get why people are doing it. I think this, however, is just mostly a case of someone looking at last year's numbers and thinking, if I take 10% off of this, that's what he'll do. And that's still crazy elite. But I just don't foresee him really hitting that. Uh, then again, we'll probably look dumb because uh, Marcus Simeon is a defier of all logic and expectation. And far younger than I guessed. I would think yeah. he'd be in his mid-30s at this point. He's 31. And in fact, I remember when we last discussed him, I, I remember thinking like, well, you know, he's probably waning a bit in his career. No, he's still pretty he has, young. Yeah, he has a good handful of years left in him. Well, speaking of young, our number five shortstop on the board is Wander Franco at pick 44 overall. Holy cow, that is super high. But Franco <laughs> last year, 308 plate appearances, seven homers, two steals, 288, 347, 463 slash. What do you think? Do you like Franco here? That is, let me start off with the good, which is that's as good of a year as you could expect out of any rookie, especially his age. He did everything well and had no holes in his game. But he also is a Ray. They're going to use him interestingly. And he also is a player who right now is better in real life than in fantasy because he gets on base and he slashes the ball everywhere, but he doesn't necessarily steal bases or hit the ball over the fence. So I think he's a really good player. I think he'll be useful this year, but not near his prime. And, and for me, not a top 50 pick. Yeah, top 50 is just absurd to me. I get it. He's exciting. And we're on fan tracks, which tends to have more Dynasty League uh, players in it. So maybe that impacts the ADP a little bit. But ultimately, I mean, even in the minors, we know what his potential could be. He really has never displayed elite level power or elite level speed. And I think that's how people are treating him. If you look at the projection systems, they all pretty much say 20 to less than 20 home runs and maybe 10 stolen bases with a pretty good slash line of like 295, 350, 470. And that is awesome for a 20-year-old kid, but it's maybe not as exciting as I want at pick 44 overall. No, there might be a lot more power when he's 25, but somehow that's five years from now. Yeah, and this is a a sensitive topic because there have been people lately on Twitter and other fantasy baseball minds arguing violently about this like well he's the best prospect ever he's clearly going Man. to do everything and it's it's just crazy how they value you know it. so with uh with the rise of social media you know you have more of like the stan culture type of thing of like mm-hmm. where someone's just a fan of of someone whether it be like a musician or a movie star or a baseball player and we see that a lot i think where uh fans and even sometimes analysts will really really like a player and and get a little stuck on him to the point of being blind on the issue. I mean, we see that all the time this time of year when prospect lists come out and uh, and that sort of stuff. Uh, fans get angry about it and like, hey, why don't you think this player is awesome? And it's like, whoa, I just gave an opinion on a baseball player. Like, <laughs> that. this is what I think of that player. And, and it's, Franco is kind of that way because people love to defend him and, They should, but maybe they're not doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Sticking with the same overall pick, pick 44, we have Xander Bogarts now, the sixth shortstop off the board. Bogarts did what Bogarts does last year. 603 plate appearances, 23 homers, five steals, 295, 370, 493. So what do you think here, Brian? If you're faced with the choice of Bogarts versus Franco, who do you take? And do you just like Bogarts at this spot at all? <laughs> this is my answer every year, but I'll take Bogarts. And uh, I I think this is totally fair spot because this is about as high a floor guy as you can get in this range out of this grouping too. He's 29 in the prime. That kind of rhymes. Oh my. <laughs> uh, he's, he's about as safe as they come. Really good hitter. Going to walk about 10% of the time, strike out like 18%, 20 to 25 homers, steal some bases, get all those counting stats. He has that really high batting average floor. I There's nothing to not like about him, and I'm not convinced he won't have a year where he does all of it at the same time at the, the highest level. He's 29. It could happen in the next couple of years. I just I have no issue with this. This is a really safe pick at a time when – at 44, you should probably be making safe picks. And I think he obviously got hurt a little bit last year, only played 144 games. 
And the overall stat line is indicative of this, just the 23 homers and five steals. The projection systems say he'll get back to 28 homers and seven steals, you know, kind of that range. I think that's entirely possible that he goes 30-10-ish or something like that. And like you said, the floor is what he did this year. His per-game stats are great, and he will be able to do that no matter what. And you're right, there is some safety involved with that, so I think that's a safe pick. That said, there are just some shortstops I like coming up here for a little bit of a lesser cost that I think I'd rather have. So at this point in the draft, I'm probably just looking at a different position, but I have no qualms if anyone wants to take him here at all. So next shortstop on the board is the seventh one, and it is Trevor Story, five picks later at pick 49. Now, Story, of course, really got hurt last year and just struggled the whole season. Played 595 plate appearances, so still almost a full season, but 24 homers, 20 steals, which is great, just not quite what we'd been seeing. 251, 329, 471. Do you think the injuries were the reason his overall line fell down? Or do you think he's just getting older and he's always been a guy who strikes out? So this was just in his profile or overall, what do you think about this spot? I think some of it makes sense. Like you said, the injuries and everything in Colorado is so weird. And it just the environment that they've created for their players <laughs> is always tumultuous. He, ha- I think he doesn't know whether he's going or staying. And But it is like a markedly different season than he's ever had, even though a lot of his stuff was the same as far as walk strikeouts had a lot weaker contact, but he's still just 29 and he went 2020. So, I mean, uh, whether he stays in cores or not, I think the 2020 is something he's going to do for a couple more years. The big question is what he does on top of that, because that's what makes him either a first or second round pick or kind of a fifth or sixth round pick. And for me, yeah, I think splitting the difference is fine. I think this is probably about a fair place to draft him, even though, and I hate to say this, I think I'm afraid to do it. I've had this guy like every year of his career in one league or another. I think, uh, I believe it was wrist issues. Maybe it's not well known that he had them, but there's rumblings of it at the very least. What I think, if I want to argue that I'm sold that he'll be back to what he was, He did decline the qualifying offer from the Rockies, almost $20 million. Maybe even if he was hurt, he would still look elsewhere. But I think if he was hurt, he would have just taken that offer, rebuilt his stock, and gone from there, particularly at a place where if he is healthy, he's going to just crush the hell out of the ball because it's Colorado. On the other hand, we haven't seen any updates. And this is a player that if I can wait until spring training to see how he looks, see if he has good bat speed and everything looks fine, okay, I think he's going way too low. I think this is just kind of a hedged bet spot in drafts. So I'm kind of like you. I'm not necessarily sold on taking him here, but I do think even if he is somewhat still hurt, 2020 is in the realm of possibilities, and maybe the batting average isn't quite what it was a few years ago, but overall that's still a pretty nice little pick at this spot. So no matter what, it's okay. I'm just a little wary because of the injury stuff. So let's see... Next up, we have Tim Anderson of the White Sox, pick number eight as far as shortstops go, 57 overall. What do you think of Tim Anderson here? This is a player and a pick that I totally understand at this point, but I just never wind up with him because of his profile. I mean, he doesn't walk at all, and he's a guy who you need to get on base to steal some bases. He is, however, very reliable at hitting for average, and I think that's real. I think we have proof of that now. Just don't expect a whole lot of power, more like that 15 or 18 a year in the home run department, 20 steals, something like that with average, a lot of runs scored. Um, He's, again, very good fantasy player, much more so if you're in an average league. But I I usually don't wind up with him here, but I can't say that I dislike the pick either, especially with stolen base scarcity, what it is. I think actually I really, really, really like this pick. I think you could make the argument that he could probably going 15 picks earlier, full round earlier, because of how safe he is on batting average, which is crazy to say for a guy who walks 4% of the time. Traditionally, that fluctuates a lot. But I fully buy he's a 300 hitter, and I think he was still dealing a little bit with the knee troubles last year, still stole 18 bases. I think that could go up even. Maybe he steals 25 this year. And the power to me is, yeah, upwards of 20, maybe 15 to 20 home runs. But overall, that kind of batting average with power, speed, all that combo, a little bit hard to find. So I think I really like him. He's, 
I have maybe, I think he could do what Trevor Story does without any of the risk. What Trevor Story does hurt, I should say, what he did last year without any of the risk. Whereas with Story, you run the risk of losing half a season from him if he's hurt or whatever it may be. But overall, I just think this is good. He'll bat at the top of the lineup for a good offensive team. And he doesn't ever get hurt. So I, I just, for whatever reason, is, really like this pick. This is for me, too. This is one of these ways in which I'm aware I have a blind spot, potentially, because uh, separating the the real from the fantasy of it all. And then also, on top of that, my bias against players with what I perceive their, their bankable stats are ones that are luck-based, batting average and stolen bases in large part. So... While that's true, those things are so rare and fantasy insists on keeping them. So when a player is in their physical prime and and has more control over those things, they do become more valuable. And Anderson's in that stage. And physical prime, he's 28 years old. He feels yeah. way older than that. So you are absolutely right in that regard. Let's see how you feel about the next guy at number nine. It's Francisco Lindor, once a first round pick. He's now down here at pick 59 overall after the seasons he's had these last couple of years. Last year for the Mets, 524 plate appearances, 20 homers, 10 steals, 230, 322, 412. It wasn't that long ago, Brian, that he was, like I said, a first round pick, 30 homers, 20 steals, 280 batting average. Do you think that he could ever get back to that? Is there upside or is he kind of reverted back to what we thought he would be as a prospect, which is great defender, a little bit of this, a little bit of that? I, man, I don't know. I really hope he gets back to being what he was. He was very dependable as that, too. It's not like it was just one year. There are causes for concern, but there's also reasons to be optimistic. He only had a 248 BABIP. Light balls weren't going out at the same rate last year. I think we see something in between. Uh, I, I think we'll see 20 to 25 homers. Uh, 10 to 15 steals, but I think we'll see the batting average for sure go up. I don't think he's hitting 230 again. I think his luck was simply pretty abysmal on that front. I don't, however, like I can't in good conscience either say like, oh, I think he's going to be a first or second round talent again. But I think this is a totally fine place to draft him and hedge your bets there. Because if he goes 2010 again, it's not killing you around 60. Yeah, this is a pick I kind of like. I don't love it, but I do like it. Yeah, I think as a, as a player, he's kind of interesting because the exit velocities aren't super high. His BABIPs are always low for what you would think. Even in the good years, he had 280, 290 BABIPs. So he's not a guy that just hits the ball so hard that he's going to have that batting average in that regard. And it was down last year, 248, like you said, which caused a 230 batting average. So I think there's improvement in the batting average coming, but I also buy what all the projection systems say, which is 260. I think that's yeah. what he is. I don't I don't think he's a 280 hitter like he once was, but 260 is pretty solid in this day and age. And there's power, there's speed. He walks a lot. And there's still that old upside. Maybe there's a little twinkling of what he used to do in his eye and we see him get to 30 home runs again or something like that. So the Mets are a mess, but I think with the new owner, the new organization, coaching, et cetera, maybe they will fix some of the stupid issues that they used to deal with because they were a dumb organization. We'll see, but I do like this pick overall here. Okay, let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and then when we get back, we'll continue with the short stops. Nasty. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Next up, we have the number 10 shortstop off the board. It's Corey Seager, and he's currently going with pick 68 overall. We discussed him a bit when we talked second baseman a few weeks ago. Have your thoughts changed? How do you feel about him at this spot? Overall, just what do you think? Yeah, so, yeah, he's such a strange player in that I really believe in who he's become as a hitter as he's stayed healthy now. I think he's one of those rare guys who really could hit 300 with 30 homers and 100-100 every year. but. I say that to say he struggled to be healthy. The stolen bases are zero. Um, and if you're in an average league, all those walks don't count. So 
I'm cautious about expecting 600 plate appearances. And I think what you're really paying for is probably something like 290, 25 homers, 80, 80, something like that for sure. And as good as that is, like, I don't, I don't know that I can pull the trigger at 68 on that. It's just the fact that he simply will not ever steal a base. I mean, maybe he gets one like he has the last few years. But at this position in particular, there are still so many players, even going just a little bit after him, that will get you stolen bases that it's really Mm -hmm. hard to clog up either shortstop or second base with a guy who is just power average. And I get it. That's valuable, the average in particular in these years. But overall, it's just not a way I want to build a team this season. So I get it, but also it's not something I'll do. Number 11 shortstop is Carlos Correa, now no longer with the Astros. Maybe he'll sign back. Maybe he won't. Of course, he doesn't have a home right now. Going with pick 81 overall, and Correa last year finally, finally put up a full season, 640 plate appearances, 26 home runs, 104 runs, 92 RBI, 279, 366, 485. What do you think, Brian? Is this a player you'd take at this spot, even without a team? No. I <laughs> Everything I just said about Seager, I think, applies to Correa, too. He doesn't run, um, so you're kind of at a zero there. And you're going off just average and power. And I don't really necessarily think he's going to do what Seager even gives you there. So for me, yeah, he's he's around pick 80, a little overpriced because, yeah, there are guys I like behind him better. Completely agree. There's just no reason to draft Correa here because, I mean, to me, he's still an injury threat. I know he had a full season, but he had not had a full season since 2016. He dealt with back issues for quite a while, and I don't think those go away, just just sparkle away. I think that may crop back up. And then when he is in the game, he's great in real-life baseball, particularly at the shortstop Mm -hmm. position because he's he's a good good defender. Got the power, got everything, but for fantasy, it's just not not as exciting. So I will pass quite a bit here. Now, so if move. he signs and plays in cores, I'll, I'll <laughs> rethink him at eighty. We'll see if, if the Colorado <laughs> Rockies pony up for Carlos Correa when they I don't won't know why that's pay so story. Funny to me. Also, they won't pay anyone. That team no. is so bad, such <laughs> a bad team. This they year. make me angry when I just think about them. And my <laughs> team was, you know, the beneficiary of them saying, "Here, have Nolan Arenado for free." <laughs> Okay, at 12 on the list, we have Javier Baez, another player we discussed at second base, going with pick 85. What do you think? Do you like him here? Same thing we said before. Like uh, What I said about Anderson applies to Baez, but he offers a little more power in that weird player who strikes out a bunch and doesn't walk at all. Strikes out a lot more than Anderson, too. But I believe he can hit about 260. He has for his career doing this because he's just so coordinated. So, I mean, he's going to give you double-digit steals with 25 homers he does this i i think this is a fine pick 100 percent agree there this is nice i mean you're looking at pick 85 30 home runs a potential 10 to 15 stolen bases and a batting average that won't kill you sure he hit 203 in that shortened season 2020 but he's a guy that if you have and look at little bursts little spurts of him playing he's going to have periods where he hits 203 because he doesn't walk because he strikes out too much but overall the end of season numbers are always really good and yeah. he was really good last year, got a big contract for the Tigers, an up-and-coming team that isn't as bad as you think oh, they're offensively. Fun. Mm-hmm. So I like that team. I like him. I think this is a great pick. Another player that I think we both agree is a great pick is the 13th shortstop, Jorge Polanco. Also another player we discussed at second base, picked 91 overall. Gush over Polanco. Would you own him in Sure. Leeds? Yeah, I do and will. And I think this is the fun zone, Baez, Polanco. And then a couple more guys kind of around here, too, as you kind of hinted to, this range is where you can drop down to if you don't want to take those first couple of players. But with Polanco, you get a lot of the advantages that you do from Simeon or uh, or even Lindor, potentially, uh, in terms of I think there's that 260 batting average floor. I actually think it's probably a little higher with Polanco because he doesn't strike out a lot and a 25 home or 10 stolen base thing. I think he's locked in as that now. He's a really solid player. He plays second and short. The Twins are bad. I don't think it really matters when it comes to Polanco's value. Yeah, he will continue being underrated, I think, for a while. 28 years old. Another guy that feels like he's in his mid-30s, but is just 28. Mm -hmm. And as long as he's healthy, and he's been healthy more often than not, he's been a power speed threat with an okay batting average. So great pickup here as well. Next up at 14, we have Jazz Chisholm. He's going with pick 96, just five picks here after Jorge Blanco. 
We talked him at second base as well. We did. But let's let's recap. What do you think of Chisholm here at this slot? Yeah, I think the consensus for all of us is this is a little bit of a reach, even though like I think I was the high man on him. I like the tools a lot. I think the power speed combo, along with the fact that he has shown he can draw walk some of the minors and adjust. So Andy battled injuries last year, but I think 90 picking him in the 90s is a bit high considering the strikeout risk, which if that goes too far, he could find himself back in the minors again. We just don't know, even though he is a player I really like and who I would take probably like 30 picks after this or something. (laughs) Strikeout rates rough. And I think unlike Polanco, unlike Baez and some of these other uh, shortstops that we've talked that we've really liked, I do not think he's a safe bet for batting average. He hit 248 no. last year, and that's fine. I think that I think that might be a ceiling as far as batting average, at least next year. I mean, he's young. He's 24. He could get better as he goes along, and so that means that he could hit 260 next year. But I think the projection systems have it right between 225 and 240-ish as far as the batting average goes, and that is hard to stomach, particularly compared to a lot of the players we just discussed who might hit you 280, even 260 in the cases of some, but it's a safe 260, whereas he's a little risky. So not really, I get it, but it's, it's there are just too many red flags for me to say, oh, I have to take Chisholm yeah. here. And there are a lot of people that are so in on Chisholm that I think he may even jump up. I think he might be drafted I think a little that's bit why we see him in this range too, is because some people are so high on him. Because like I thought I was really high on him and then until I started seeing his ADPs. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I wasn't. <laughs> I he's a player I like a lot, but there it's a lot of risk you're assuming there too. If you told me at the end of the year, if you were like, Oh, he produced fourth round value, I'd be like, Yep, okay, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure, but yeah. if but if you told me he spent most of the year in AAA, I would also believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. We finally have a player who we have not discussed at second base. <laughs> it's been a run of like 10 of them here. It's Bobby Witt Jr. And Witt Jr., of course, is the top prospect in baseball or certainly top three prospect. 21 years old, plays for the Royals, got a little bit of a taste of AAA and AA last year, hit 33 home runs, uh, 29 stolen bases. The triple slash line was great, <laughs> batting average around 290. Lots of OBP, lots of slugging percentage, basically everything that you want to see in an uber-talented prospect. But the question becomes, would you take him at pick 108 when we don't know if he's going to be in the majors? We haven't seen him play against anyone in the majors. All the questions abound. What do you think? Ooh, that's really tough because there are no reasons really to think he's not ready to be a major league starter. And other than you can expect a lot of strikeouts and maybe a low average for the first year or two, but he has adjusted so well, like anything you read about wit, all of the concerns about him uh, have been pretty much vanquished at every stop. And the power and speed floors are so high. (laughs) I mean, he's a guy who pretty much has 70 grade power and speed. So Mm -hmm. as long as he's making enough contact, he's going to be a really valuable player even before his prime. I, don't think I probably would wind up with him here, but also I do understand it uh, in terms of the fact that stolen bases are really rare and and he seems like a trustworthy power bat. I think if you were to come at me and say in a vacuum, you, you just give me a blank name, a prospect I'm not familiar with. Like you've just created a prospect and you have him with like in all road of Bobby to the show Witt. or something. Yeah. And you give him all of Bobby Witt Jr.'s abilities, skills, grades, all that stuff. I would go, holy cow, I think this is a great pick here. I think there's a chance for 30 30. I think he could win you a league. But the problem I have, and this is not a good answer, is that <laughs> a lot of really smart prospect and fantasy people do not like this pick at all. I talked to James Anderson, who's obviously a big name in, in prospects on the Launch Angle podcast, and he is not a fan of wit at at that slot. And I think that scares me away, but also that's not a scientific thing. I can't be like, well, guy said so, so I can't do it. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I do think that, look, if you play in 10 fantasy baseball leagues, you should probably have wit on one of your teams. But maybe if you're only playing in one league, just look elsewhere it's just it's so unscientific, but I just can't see myself pulling the trigger, although I totally, totally understand it. And I think, I think – go ahead. I, I think the big fear really just has to be, oh, you take Bobby Witt around pick 100, 
in the uh, eighth or ninth round or whatever, and he hits 220 with 18 homers and 15 steals or something. And that would be really frustrating. Or he just, for whatever the reason, the Royals royal it and they don't play him. Like he, he doesn't start the season up. Uh, they either for service time reasons or he struggles a little and they send him down. There's definitely considerable risk here. So I do get it. But I'm like you, I do have trouble seeing exactly how he wouldn't still probably return value if he is the starter. <laughs> yeah. And to that point, he's going to pick 108 in fan tracks drafts. This fascinates me. It's closer to 90 in NFBC drafts, Ooh. the high stakes league stuff, which that's way too much. This is a little more palatable. 30 picks later. I think I like that a little bit more, but. Oh, well, we've talked enough about Bobby Witt Jr. Let's move on to Jake Cronenworth. Maybe not as exciting of a player, <laughs> but he could provide some value. 16th shortstop off the board. Pick 124. What do you think of Cronenboy uh, here? I think he's fine. I think he's another player. I think we probably talked about him at uh, either first or second, maybe both. Who knows? But he's another player who he offers you enough average and around 20 homers, maybe a couple of steals. He's fine. But I think I prefer him in real life to fantasy because there are just kind of a lot of these sort of guys who they don't really stand out too much in one category. And um, we see him kind of littered throughout the position around here. And I don't think he necessarily has the upside as some of the other ones, but he is pretty safe. I just probably wouldn't wind up with him on any of my teams. I don't think I ever have yet. Not that he's been around forever. Yeah, just a couple of years now in the majors. 2020 was when he called. It was called up late yeah. prospect blooming there. 28 years old now. Ron liked him. I remember that. I'm not that enamored with him. I think the power is a little spottier than it has been. Like 21 homers last year and 643 plate appearances. Maybe he's a less than 20 home run hitter, and he's not going to make up for that in speed. He won't give you no speed, but it's certainly not double digit speed. And I'm not sold that he really is a 280 plus hitter a lot of the projection systems say 275 that's maybe a little higher than i would guess but i could see that happening overall it's just it's simply because there are other players i like that yeah. i would skip him here two similar of players are available later next up we'll find out if this is one of them it's dansby swanson at pick 17 130 overall going six picks later overall what do you think of swanson coming into this year he's kind of become really what we thought he could be as a prospect someone who does a little bit of everything well, but doesn't necessarily excel in any one area. But last year, the power finally showed up. 27 home runs and 653 plate appearances. What do you think, Brian? Exactly. This is what we thought he'd be. Um, one way or another, he gives you something in all the categories. And the big thing is, I think he can be a 20 homer, 10 steal guy. Uh, maybe he won't hit for much average. And maybe because of that and not getting on base a lot, it impacts his other numbers. But 2010 down here is fine. I I don't love him because there's not a lot you can hope for in terms of growth, I don't think, looking at his numbers. But uh, again, steals are hard to come by, and he will give you a little bit of everything. I think if you're looking for a solid player that you know will just give you this production, that's exactly what Dansby Swanson is at this spot. There are certainly far riskier players who could provide you a lot more stats, but not with his safety, which is interesting to say because... I don't know. He just didn't feel like a safe pick in the last couple yeah. of years, but here he is. And you're right. I think 20 homers, 10 steals, and you know, 250 batting average. I mean, Cronenworth gives you a little bit more batting average, but I don't think Cronenworth has 25 to 30 home runs in him, whereas Dan D. Swanson might, because we did just see him hit 27, and Swanson has a little bit more speed. So, yeah, I like Swanson here. I would certainly take him 100 times out of 100 over Cronenworth, just because I think six picks later, he's going to give you even more than Cronenworth could. Okay, Willie Adamas is next. He's the 18th shortstop off the board at pick 141 overall. And boy, was he pretty good last year in the majors. 555 plate appearances, 25 homers, 5 steals, 262, 337, 481. Brian now with the Brewers, 26 years old. Seems like he's cemented himself as a Brewer in the middle of that lineup. Do you like what you could see from him this year? Yeah, he's turned into a nice player. He also, if you look at it, his triple slash lines from the last two years are suspiciously almost identical. Not mm -hmm. quite Vinny Castilla level where they just are identical, but it's <laughs> it's really close. But yeah, he's a guy who has matured into a low average hitter who probably strike out strikes out a little too much, walks a little, 20, 25 homers, 
won't probably steal a lot. I also think he probably can hit 260 or so. He has that 340 career BABIP. I mean, so when you look at the high BABIPs, that's just kind of what he does. Hits it hard when he does hit it. So I think he's fine. I, I don't get too excited about him because he doesn't offer a lot of speed. And, and I think this is probably about where as good as he's going to get. I think with this, the caveat of that he doesn't offer a ton of speed, five to seven stolen bases, I think, are in the realm of possibilities. What I do think is if you've locked up essentially your stolen bases by this point in the draft, I think he's a great play because I, I believe if you prorate his stats out to a full 650 plate appearance season, he's almost at 30 home runs. And I don't think we can say that about a lot of shortstops essentially from here on out. Maybe there's one or two more. But overall, I think he can give you elite level power at this spot. You're right. The batting average is 260. That's just kind of what I it is. I think it's kind of safe, though. But it is safe. Yeah, I don't. I think at worst he hits 250. I don't think he could be yeah. a 230 hitter. So there, there's a lot said for that. And really, I think he was a victim of the Rays doing what the Rays do. Some profiles just don't fit the Rays switching people out and shifting. And that seems to be what this was, because when they started playing him every day, he took off. So I think that. Yeah. I think him having a home in Milwaukee, it's a good park to hit in. It's a good offensive team means that he's going to be pretty darn good this year. So I definitely like that one. They, the Milwaukee's had some luck with that too, because later down on this list, and we've already talked about him, I think twice, but uh, Luis Urias, mm-hmm. same deal, gets to Milwaukee, gets to play. And it's like, oh, I see why he was a prospect now. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a few minutes here. Let's get through a few more guys down the list. Chris Taylor is the 19th shortstop off the board. I pick 153. Taylor, of course, with the Dodgers has mostly been a utility guy, but he found full playing time across this past season. Mostly 582 plate appearances, 20 homers, 13 steals, 254, 344, 438. Is he a full-time player first, Brian? And then second, what do you think the stats look like at the end of next season? Around it. And that's kind of the thing with Chris Taylor is, you know, he's going to get the at-bats, but you don't know that he's going to get necessarily like more than 80% of the at-bats you want him to get. And Mm -hmm. that results in just a slight degradation in the counting stats to where you're looking at 15 homers, 10 steals, and an okay average when you could be looking at 22 and 15 or something like that, where he becomes more appealing since he plays a little bit all over the diamond. Uh, But yeah, because you can't guarantee on the playing time and because he's not quite you know star level or anything it does keep his value down a little bit i've always wondered that if you could guarantee that taylor who plays like everything but catcher basically (laughs) if you could guarantee 600 plate appearances from him i feel like he'd be kind of valuable yeah but he's i don't think but you can't no i think this was his ceilings 585 plate appearances or 82 plate appearances and that's great that's fine it's so unreliable, but also super reliable, which is weird to say, because like mm-hmm. like you said, he's going to play all over the diamond. He's going to play for the Dodgers quite a bit, but also not enough that you go, oh, Chris Taylor's out of lineup. That's weird. When Chris Taylor's out yeah. of lineup, you go, yeah, this makes sense. Somebody else was healthy or whatever. Because <laughs> his just, rate sets aren't such that it's like, I can't imagine starting someone over Chris Taylor. <laughs> exactly. So I do think he's fine, but... He still feels more like a guy you pick off the waivers, and that's me yes. because he's not that. But that's I just know. the the vibe I get from Chris Taylor. What he's putting off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 20th shortstop off the board is Glaber Torres. We talked to him at second base, pick 155 overall. It's a terrible pick. Brian, tell me why it is a, a good pick. Let's argue All that. right, I can you, summarize You play this. pro on this, yes. Okay, can I say one negative thing yeah, first? Because yeah, sure. it's a stat I found. That's real. I, just, I think yeah. it's really funny. Since 2019 ended, he has slugged 370. <laughs> That's cumulatively. That's his over OVP, the entire right? time since. That's a slugging percentage. No, it's his OVP. That can't be a slugging percentage for a guy taking in the no. top 150. A guy who hit 38 home runs in in his 20 age 22 season. But yeah, we've we're a long way from there. And um, I'll say right now, the only reason you're drafting Taurus is because he's 25 and he once hit 38 home runs in a season, and you hope he can do around half of that ever again. And I I'd love to have I have that happen. I like him as a player. I just don't foresee anything like that happening. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. No. He has been utterly awful the last few years with zero indication that it's because he was hurt or because there's no just reason you can point to. And yes, he's on the Yankees, which are a good offensive team. But the problem is, is 
I don't think the Yankees are going to just give him free reign to do whatever. I no. think if he struggles, he bats eighth, and then eventually they move on or they find someone else to fill that position, and it's it just does not look good. You know, here. we're not going to have any reason to talk about him other than what I'm about to say, but another— uh, he came to mind in relation to Torres, but Keston Hyura, who we would have been discussing at second base or first base in recent years as a mm-hmm. valuable player. Uh, that's another example of a player who started off really well. And then his organization, and I don't know what the case is with Torres, but his organization said, let's mess with your swing. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know why this happens so often that organizations sometimes maybe over calculate what a player's, uh, swing needs to be. And then it seems like there's just no coming back because, like you said, Herrera, we haven't discussed because he's not worth discussing. I think he's, he's got to get out of there and just rebuild. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, we got through 20. I think that's the most we've done on any other position, but let's go ahead and stop there so we can talk our favorite buys and sells and so on and so forth. Fascinating thing is that we talked 20 shortstops and we just got through pick 155 in drafts. So, yeah. like I said, they are being drafted high and a lot, so stay tuned for that. But on a whole, who do you think is the best buy overall? Who's the one guy that you think you like the most? So this is really tough because there, there's several that I like fine, and it's really tough to say who the best buy would be. Um, but I'm, I'm essentially going out of this top 20 since we'll have categories for the others. And I'll go ahead and say my usual boring bias Polanco thing that I said for a second. And I think that's a good way to do it. And yes, I did the same thing. I said, okay, I'll make this out of the top 20, even though I say it's overall. So essentially out of these top 20 players, I just put three names down in case you and Ron said so many of them. But I said Tim Anderson, Francisco Lindor, and Jorge Polanco. Those yeah. are three names that I really and, like where and they're Lindor going. And is another one that really gives you that shot to get second round value back or something. Mm-hmm. And then Ron did send us his uh, buys and sells. So I have a couple here for you. His favorite buy is... And I hinted at it earlier. Jake Cronenworth really likes Jake Cronenworth. I don't, but the Crone dog. I could be totally wrong and maybe hits 30 home runs and, and Ron looks like a genius and I could see that happening. So let's see. Let's move on to worst buy overall. I'll start this one. And what I wrote down is the real answer, which is Glaber Taurus for two weeks <laughs> now. It's Glaber freaking Taurus. He's just don't do that. Don't do that. Pick one fifty-five. But I have a backup option for you, and this one's a little bit later. It's Gavin Lux, the twenty-sixth shortstop off the okay. board, going with pick two eleven within the top two hundred a little bit. And I always liked Lux as a prospect. I still do like Lux a little bit, but he has not shown any inkling that he's able to be a good fantasy or major league player. Two forty-two average last year, just seven homers, four steals, and three hundred eighty-one plate appearances. It's been hurt, so maybe there's a little bit to that. But ultimately, I just don't think the Dodgers see him as what we all once saw him as. And I don't think they're going to give him the opportunity to really blossom. So ultimately, I just think he's a player I'm going to completely avoid in leagues this year. What do you think about Lux? I I have almost an identical opinion. And I will say in a dynasty league, I'd be looking to buy him right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. Because I agree with that, definitely. The value is just dead low, but... I, that's the gulf between how I think of him in a dynasty and a redraft has never been bigger <laughs> since yeah. he's, since it's become possible for him to play in the majors. I'm scared to death of him in redrafts. All right. Uh, who's your worst buy overall? Yeah. So I've got a couple that I wanted to mention. One of them is Simeon only because he's at going at 31. And I just think there are a lot of better options and a lot of other ways to get his value a little bit later. Uh, you already mentioned, <laughs> Big Glaber Taurus. And I'll mention one more guy, which is Carlos Correa around pick 81, which isn't particularly bad. But like we talked about, I I just feel like because he's maybe only like a four category guy with no real strong category, this might be a reach. Yep, I agree with that. And then Ron's worst buy is Marcus Simeon. And the reason he says is because the price is too damn high. So we all agree that. Do you remember that guy, Jimmy something or other? He ran for some sort of political office, and that was his yes. slogan. Well, yes. th- he has become a hero on the Nasty Cast since before you came around. Uh, Nate, Ron, <laughs> and I would say that all the time. So glad since Ron brought I, that since back. Since I started hanging around these parts. <laughs> That's right. Since we traded in our snow mailman for our, <laughs> mm, I guess, wacky weather you. I don't know how better Yeah, well, it, it is snowing right now. 
It so, is, yes. And I'm excited for that. Okay, yeah. let's move on to the next one. This is our best option from picks 20 to 40, and I'll let you take the helm here. Actually, let's let Ron do it. His favorite <laughs> pick outside of the top 20 is O'Neill Cruz, of course, with the Pirates. And he says because of his upside, despite being in a lineup, he is in an absolute shit lineup. I kind of agree. I think I do with too. Cruz, power speed is legit. I think the question of the batting average and how much he strikes out is there. But ultimately, uh, let me look up where he's going. I'll get you the number. But you talk about Cruz. He's going right around 220. Yeah, 219. Yep. I don't think that's like fantastic. But in terms of what the upside is, uh, the power speed thing at 220, I I think I can live with that. It's uh, that's I had him down as well as it's like a really nice option. And while we're here. Another option that I kind of like in this range uh, that I did not go in anticipating saying I was going to like at all is Ahmed Rosario. And only because I think he's going to play and I I think he's going to steal some bases and, and there's the potential for more, even though he hasn't shown it yet. But if you're scrounging for steals, you could do worse. It's funny. I have Ahmed Rosario on my team as well. I do think he's just a perfectly acceptable option where he's going. Yeah. Let's see, 24th shortstop, pick 200 overall, because he will provide some steals. And I think it's 10 plus with upside of 20 plus, maybe, if because he yeah, will play the I, whole season. I mean, and he once was that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not exciting, but last year he had 282. Maybe you can do that mm-hmm. again. A little bit of a high Babbitt, but, but it was 340. It wasn't absurd like 380. And he should run at least a little bit of a high Babbitt. I mean, I think he normally does. Yeah. And he plays for Cleveland, the Guardians, who are a terrible team. He's going to play every day. Uh, the other option I had for you was Luis Urias. I literally have discussed him, I think, every opportunity I yeah. have, so I'm not going to do it again. Twenty <laughs> You're, seconds you're very much on the record on Luis Urias. <laughs> yep, exactly. So that's why I put Rosario down, because I didn't think anybody else was to say him, but here we are. So there you go. Those are our best options <laughs> from 20 to 40. Our final question, then, is our best super late option, and this is outside of the top 40. Ugh. And guess what? It is gross, but I'll let you go first, Brian. Who do you like? Sure. So it is a wasteland, as you alluded to earlier, but I'll say... Nico Goodrum at 53 mm-hmm. because somehow he goes like 10 10 every year, even though he just is not good. He, he, but he winds up playing short second and third going 10 10. And then you look at his rate stats and you're and it, your face coils into a look of horror. Where was Goodrum going? Do you have his uh, ADP for me? He is. I do. He is going at around 521. And then um, the other guy we discussed on the Dynasty show. Uh, which is Jeremy Pena, who might start for Houston. And I don't, again, like Goodrum, I think you're looking at like a 10-10 kind of a thing. But um, down in the 400s, it's something. And that's exactly why I asked you about Goodrum, because I was going to say the same thing, because my pick is Jeremy Pena yeah. with the Astros. He's going to have a full-time job, I think, with the Astros. There won't be service time stuff for him, I really doubt. I think if Correa's gone and they don't have another shortstop on the roster, they will just say, hey, we're going to start the season with him. He's ready defensively, has a little bit of power, has a little bit of speed, so I do think a 10-10 season is within reach. And both Goodrum and Pena are free. I think what I would say in the favor of Pena is he's playing on the Astros, which are a damn good and fantasy team, upside. baseball team, and there's some <laughs> upside. So, yeah, I like him a lot there. That was my pick. Ron's selection for best super late option was Jorge Mateo. And, of course, where's Mateo now with the Baltimore Orioles, right? Yeah, second baseman, outfielder, played a little bit of shortstop. Ron says he will not need a ton of it. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I've been playing a game where AB stands for ability block, so that's what I was going to do. He doesn't need a ton of ability block you know, <laughs> at bats to get you some steals, and he's basically free and qualifies at a couple different spots. So positional versatility there. So I yep. can uh, second that Speed notification. Speed and versatility. Sure. So there we go. That is shortstop. This was interesting. This is a fun position. Do you think you'll end up with two shortstops on a team, three? How do you foresee this going? I I feel like I'll probably wind up with two and one of them being one of those guys that's also is second base eligible. That's always fun to have, but also just because there's a lot of value to be had. I mean, couldn't you see like, oh, I have a pick in the first round where I've drafted Trey Turner. And then later you're like, yeah, I'll take Jorge Polanco and slide him over to second and then he can play short if I need him to, you know, that sort of. That's actually a great combination because if Turner does get hurt at some point, which has happened, great. You got Polanco at short. Yeah. Perfect. Totally agree. I think I'll wind up with two, maybe three, depending on what my drafts look like. They'll get four. <laughs> Make it five. Come on. Let's go crazy now. <laughs> shortstop, shortstop, shortstop. Draft yourself 
Elvis Martinez at pick <laughs> 500 even. There you go. You're set. Elvis Andrews is there. 492. Wow. Who cares, Freddie Galvis? <laughs> Bryson Stott. So many shortstop <laughs> names. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Anything before we get out of here, Brian? Not much. We'll be doing the world of outfielders next week, I believe. Correct? That's correct. You know, I'll tell you what I'm actually looking forward to. A lot of new to. players. <laughs> Outfield is going to be fun, but I really want to get to starting pitchers. I think yeah, that's just too. going to be fascinating. And I, I, at Baseball Pods, his name's Chris. He runs a Twitter account who basically shares all baseball yeah, pods. He's he, an awesome he's guy. He's terrific. Love the guy. He posed a question today of, does it feel like pitching is deeper or blah, blah, blah. And essentially how I feel about it is, I don't think pitching is deeper because we say that every year and it never is. But what I do think is I like a lot of the middle guys a hell of a lot more than I have recently. Whereas some of the guys at the top, like uh, Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara, is going with like a second round pick now. Yeah, I no like thanks. Alcantara, but holy cow, that is so early. So I think that's what it is. I have more qualms with the guys up top but those guys in the mid tier kind of rounds, man, I really like them. I'm right there with you. And I think that the uh, the decrease in starter innings pitch is bringing everybody in to where it does make things a little bit deeper or they at least feel that way. For sure. All right. Well, that'll do it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. So for Van, no, for Ron, for it's the <laughs> second freaking time in a row. I talk You'll get about who myself you are like eventually. That. I'm in the third person. So for Brian, for Ron, I'm Van Lee, and may the fantasy gods shine upon you.